morning, everyone. It is Thursday, the 30th of June, the last day of the financial year. Chris, what happened overnight? Thank you, Ben. Good morning, everyone. The Dow was up 82 points and the SPY futures this morning were pointing down one point. We are down 30 points now, however. It was ultimately a mixed session on Wall Street. Whilst the Dow was up, the S&P 500 fell for a third consecutive session. This after Fed Chair Powell said there was no guarantee of a soft landing for the US economy. Powell was speaking at a European Central Bank forum and said that whilst there is a path forward that can maintain the health of the US labour market and bring inflation back towards 2%, there is, quote, no guarantee that we can do that. Of course, he's talking about the Fed there. A note from JP Morgan didn't help sentiment. Economists at that bank saying that they see a US economic recession this year as a reasonable risk to consider. I guess that means it's about a 50% chance if we were putting a percentage on it and that they wouldn't rule out a global economic slowdown. Uh, other than that, there wasn't a great deal going on. Gold was down two tenths of a percent. West Texas intermediate crude down 1.8%. So energy prices continuing to come off. Base metals were mixed. Base metals have really settled down after some of the wild moves that we saw in recent days. And iron ore was down one tenth of a percent. So like I said, a bit of a lackluster session overnight, but some interesting stuff happening locally today, which Tom will talk about soon. Thank you for that, Chris. And the segue, Tom, what else is happening today? Thank you, Ben. Financials and energy stocks are leading our market lower. OPEC oil producers started a two-day meeting last night. The big four banks all down around 1%. Property and healthcare names doing okay. AGL up 1% after Brookfield is back buying shares. CSR up a little bit. They announced a $100 million on-market buyback and reaffirmed guidance for FY23. Ardent Leisure ALG up 8.5% completed their main event sale, which is their US business. Suncorp down 0.6% is in talks with Bendigo and Adelaide Bank regarding a merger of its banking business and Unity Group UWL declared a special dividend of 10.5 cents. Very nice. Thank you, Thomas. Layton, what have you got from the brokers? Thank you, Ben. An interesting little one this morning with Tyro Payments. It's TYR down 78% since the start of the year and they were downgraded this morning to neutral at Macquarie. And Macquarie notes that weekly transaction values have held up but has reduced its expected total transaction value per terminal three halves, which starts from the second half of FY23. Macquarie's target price has fallen 65% down to 75 cents, which is still about 15% above the current share price. But on the other hand, UBS has a more optimistic outlook and has stated that while the departure of the CEO, Robbie Cook, adds uncertainty, the broker feels it creates an opportunity for a CEO with a deeper financial and or tech background to come in. And they've retained their buy recommendation and target price of $2.30 which implies a 154% upside. And also looking at Tab Corp, that's T-A-H, they were upgraded this morning to outperform Macquarie. Macquarie expects the launch of the new wagering app and regulatory reforms should see the company become more competitive moving forward. The app is planned for launch ahead of the spring carnival. Macquarie expects the group to show more discipline around capital and suggests that the company might look to service markets with digital products. The target price increases to $1.20 from $1.05 and that implies about an 11% upside. Thank you, Ben. Very nice. Thank you, Leighton. On to a couple of fresh ideas today. Chris, you've got a chart for us. I do. Thank you, Ben. Brambles is the stock I'm having a look at today. Stock code BXB. There's quite a lot going on with Brambles at the moment. They had an engagement with CVC Capital Partners 
not long back about a potential takeover. City was banding around a $13 per share price as a potential price, but CBC ultimately walked away from the $20 billion takeover in May, but still Brambles is probably in play. There's probably other entities running the ruler over it. So that's interesting. But underneath all of that, there sits a pretty solid business. Their CHEP division in Europe, Middle East and Africa and Asia Pacific are experiencing high returns on capital, good margins and cash flow. And the cash flow is being helped by US lumber futures, which uh, have fallen from $1,200 in just in March to now sub $600. So that's helping with their cash flows. Their last set of results were pretty solid. Sales growth of 8% ahead of the market, which expected 7%. And those sales were boosted by high prices, which they had managed to pass on. Obviously those higher timber prices I was just talking about or lumber prices, volumes were in line with the prior period as well. So like I said, a pretty solid business there. It's just turned three May compliant in terms of the chart. So that's something that I like to have a look at. Brokers particularly like it as well. So some recent research. So this month, buy now perform ratings and target prices in the range of 13 to 25% above the current market price. So a few little things lining up there for Brambles. Very nice. Thank you, Chris. And Tom, you've got an idea for us as well? Yes, I do. CSR. So as I talked about before, they did have an on-market buyback announcement. They also reaffirmed guidance. And that is just on the back of results. Full year results were only released last month. They were actually quite good, but the share price has fallen around 27% since that announcement. Costs are being well managed. The brokers were even talking about scope for margin expansion in the next couple of months. The buyback essentially tells the market that CSR thinks its share price is undemanding. It also promotes a pretty strong balance sheet. There was a lot of negativity about slowing growth that's arguably been factored into the price right now. All the brokers see significant level of upside. The average target is 50, implies upside of more than 50%. And now we don't have the results risks that a lot of other companies do heading into our August results season. The share price bottoming a little bit. RSI just ticked back over from oversold territory. Fundamentals are pretty good. It's closing in on a key PE multiple. Marcus pulled up a chart of the 10-year average PE, and every time it gets to a PE of 8.5 times, it tends to bounce pretty strongly. But as we know, history is not always the most reliable indicator. The conclusion, today's update likely to put CSR back in the sights of some bargain hunters. Very nice. Thank you, Tom. Henry, what have you got going up in Sydney? Thanks, Ben. Just a look today, some of the spooky things. I was just looking back because it is the end of the financial year. So I was just looking back at the small cap portfolios. We're about to do a SCP 2.0 reset to some extent and trimming things and changing things up a little bit with some rules around it. Just interesting to note uh, where it was this time last year in terms of valuation and this time this year in terms of valuation is absolutely pretty much bang on the same, which is... uh, Uh, quite spooky in some respects, as I was reminded by the Fin Review this morning that the small cap index, the ASX small caps is down 20% this year. So I guess 300 bucks difference as at last night, probably be a little bit more today, but 300 bucks difference is not a bad effort given small caps have been 20% down this year. So certainly some headwinds there. So relatively pleased with that. We're going to be doing a bit of a reset at the closing prices tonight. And also a look today at the confusion, I guess, in retail land. Yesterday, we saw retail sales up 0.9% record numbers. Reading through the research on retail sales, things are still going pretty well out there. Yet retail stocks generally have cratered. And I've put in a lot of charts very kindly made pretty by Tom or Leighton and put in some 
charts there of the likes of Harvey Norman, Super Retail and Premier all down in the dumps. Yet we are seeing retail sales at pretty elevated levels. What is interesting as well is that while the retailers themselves are suffering in terms of share price, the landlords in the likes of Vicinity and even Centre Group are doing relatively well, although not so much for their European counterpart, URW, which is Unibel, Rodamco, Westfield, which is also on the nose. So it's interesting to see that dichotomy. Something I talked about last night in the Ask the Analyst session, which was a pretty good session, actually, is looking at maybe a pairs trade for those that are interested in this sort of thing, selling the vicinities of this world and buying the retailers that have been bombed out and smashed so hard. But obviously, that is a more hedge fund kind of orientated or sophisticated investor kind of play. But it's just interesting to note that these retailers really have been whacked out of the park at the moment. And just finally, I guess uh, yesterday we recorded the investment committee at Ausbiz, which was an interesting experience, far feistier than normal, it's fair to say, and got a chance there to chat to the CEO of Elders. And certainly that remains a very good story. My question to him was, how do you recession proof the company? And as he pointed out, the regions are going through a massive, massive boom at the moment. Agricultural prices, although they've come off a little bit, are still very high. Fertilizer prices have come off a little bit as well. But with the breaking of the drought some years ago, that really has propelled that agricultural sector. Money is flowing. He said they've never seen anything like it, to be honest. You know, it's, it's going gangbusters out there. And certainly tourism in the regions is going gangbusters as well. So lots happening for elders, which is good. And he was very positive on the outcome there. The results recently were pretty promising as well. Pretty very good, in fact. And the stock has come off with the market. So maybe there's an opportunity there in elders. So something to bear in mind. And a good Ask the Analyst session last night. The uh, links to that and other things are on the website. Very nice stuff. As always, Henry, definitely worth acknowledging the performance of that small caps portfolio this year. As you said, it's performed very well. So every right to be proud of that. Well, it just hasn't lost any money. It hasn't made any money, Ben. So it's, a, it's on a relative... performed better than the index, but it, yeah, in absolute you... terms, it's still down $300, $400. So that's not a great result, but it's not a terrible result. No, compared to burning 20% of your capital, I think we can be fairly happy with that. And compared to the market being down 8% on the year. Exactly. So great work, Henry. Well done. I know a lot of people follow that. So plenty of happy subscribers around. Marcus, before we pass on to you, I will just note we've got our long-term investors section in the newsletter today following on from the income investor section launch yesterday. Today, we've got a bit of a big picture spiel for the forever portfolio and the conditions that we're seeing at present, how we're kind of approaching running the portfolio given them. We've then got a little watch list that I've produced out of Stockopedia using their screening tools, a bit of a more aggressive growth watch list, the kind of stocks we're looking to find buying opportunities in, in coming weeks, months, years, however long it takes for us to hit a point where we feel like dipping the toe back in the water. So that's worth having a look at. Got some interesting criteria to make it through to that list. And then also done a portfolio X-ray, similar to what I did with the income portfolio yesterday. And notably there, the big difference between the forever portfolio and the income portfolio is that while most of the stocks have a pretty high quality ranking, there is not a whole lot with a high value rank in the forever portfolio due to the growth sway. We know that growth stocks are not typically cheap by PEs or other valuation measures we use. So not a bad thing to see there. So make sure you check that out if you're interested in the forever portfolio. If you're a long-term investor, that'll be there every Thursday. The income investors section will be there every Wednesday and then we'll check in as required ad hoc between those days. Marcus, what have you got for us? 
worth just saying on the long-term and income portfolios, what we're trying to do, of course, is to present our content by user rather than by who's written it or what we happen to think today. So we're corralling our content into content for income investors and content for long-term investors. Both of them are supposed to be sleep at night portfolios. Both of them are supposed to be long-term and based around a portfolio. And it is hand-holding, if that's not a patronizing thing to say, it is hand-holding for those style of investors. And within those sectors, we will also be dropping in educational stuff as well. So someone who's investing for income over the period of a year is our habit, education by osmosis. <laughs> over a period of a year, we'll learn how income investing is done. And hopefully that will make everything safer without a lot of activity and stress. Also worth saying that in the sections we have, we are using Stockopedia scans um, and we would recommend members subscribe to Stockopedia. It's a UK-based, data-based subscription. They, surprisingly to us, offer almost exactly the same data data that we use off Reuters, which costs us $22,000, they do have an Australian package. So you can research and filter and monitor your portfolios. And they do charts, all things we'd love to do, but it's not our forte. And I believe that Marcus today and Stockopedia together really is the complete package for an Australian investor. So I would recommend you have a free trial of Stockopedia, have a look. And yes, we have negotiated a discount to Stockopedia. And yes, I have to declare under our FSG that yes, they're giving us a kickback for anyone that does subscribe, but you will get a discount. Moving on, strategy today. Strategy is quite easy. We have got a lot in the newsletter today, so I've gone a bit easy on myself today. The bottom line or the top line is still in cash in the ETF-driven strategy portfolio and not much to report overnight directional session. Struggling to find direction is how one newswire summarizes it. I'd say struggling to find a reason to go up might be a better interpretation at the moment. A few little items, window dressing we are the end of the quarter. We could see some aberration today, either a sharp rise or a sharp fall, particularly in the last few minutes of the trading day, possibly on the end of day auction. We'll see whatever happens. It doesn't matter. It will almost always reverse the next day. So if it's not part of a trend, it's not really worth worrying about. It's also the last day to do some tax loss selling. It's also a good day to look for your favorite small stock. So mine would be Poseidon Nickel, for instance, which I've taken an absolute bath on. And I will be doing a podcast with Peter Harold sometime soon. We were supposed to do it this week, but it got delayed again. But it's a good day to look at your favorite stock and ask whether it's in a hole because it's been sold down by tax loss sellers and whether it's a good time to buy it for a relief rally as the tax loss selling damage repairs itself over the next month rather than the past month. There's no rush to do that in a downtrend. There are no great bargains in a downtrend and it's short-term stuff anyway, but worth having a look just to see if your illiquid small favorite stock has been smashed, in which case it might, the pressure might come off it over the next few days. Also, I've written a paragraph just about the US markets. They've had their worst six months since Nixon. Can you believe it? Since 1970. I don't know whether anyone else has watched Gaslit on Henry's recommendation. Julia Roberts, all to do with Watergate, uh, well recommended. Anyway, the US markets have had their worst six months in 50 years, and it is because the markets peaked literally on January the 4th. So 
So they've caught the whole of this downtrend in the last six months. And one commentator sums it up well by saying it's the consequence of a central bank pivot from decades old easy money policy to a tightening cycle. And that sort of sums it up. And it also sums up or it also makes it clear when this bottoming might happen. The pivot point is going to happen when the interest rate cycle and the bottom of the economic cycle occur, probably at the same time. And the market always looks ahead. So it looks through the economic recovery to the earnings upgrades and the improvements in GDP. And it will bottom before the actual bottom. We just haven't hit that spot. It's still unclear when and where interest rates will peak. And until we can see that top and start to imagine the other side, the pivot point won't happen. But the moment we can, this pivot point will happen. And it will still happen when things look bad on the day, but the market will anticipate six months ahead. So as soon as I think the point is, as soon as there's clarity on inflation peaking, clarity on interest rates peaking, and clarity that the cycle is going to bottom, then the market will start to move. And it clearly hasn't happened yet. Might just need a message out of Jerome Powell saying it's working. (laughs) Yeah, something like that. Or as I've highlighted a few times, there's a PCE price index number tonight. Very exciting, Marcus. Tom's 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 preferred measure number. Tom's preferred measure of inflation, but I think Jerome Powell's preferred measure is probably the CPI number on July the 13th. But obviously, a good number and a message that supply chain issues are getting better and that sort of thing could bottom the market. Otherwise, things to note: RBA meeting next week. UBS is expecting a 50 basis point rise in both July and August. The RBA is not going to turn this market around on its own. The US results season is also coming up. I've put in a bit of a diary of the big ones or the first ones coming up. So JP Morgan kicks it off on 14th July along with Morgan Stanley. Then there's Citigroup's State Street, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America all in the first week. So that we're still two weeks away from the results season. Things to watch out for there is margin pressures, input pricing pressures, of course. Things have got more expensive for companies at the factory gate. Labor shortages, wage pressures, cut capex, which means a loss of economic confidence and supply chain issues, are they getting better? So we're still a few weeks away, but the risk is probably on the downside. You wouldn't want to be, although it is in the price, all this stuff's in the price, but you wouldn't want to be betting on great results. They're not going to be popping champagne corks and they're not going to have miraculously fantastic outlook statements with the market or with the economy doing what it's doing. So the US results season coming up, a bit of a risk. And that's probably enough from me today. Very nice. Thank you, Marcus. And our question today is one of your favorites of this time of year, Marcus. What post-it note do you wish someone had put on your desk on July 1, 2021, but that would have guided you through financial year 2022, helped you avoid turbulence or find the riches, Tom? It would have been sell out of my high PE growth stocks and buy energy. Nice. Layden? As Marcus said before, January is the top. That's good. That is a good one. Chris? The things can change very quickly. Um, much more quickly than we've seen in recent years and to follow the central banks. Fed pivot in late December, early January, obviously being the, the big pivot point. Thank you, Chris. Henry? Fat and happy at Easter is a great strategy. Just got to remember to sell and be fat and happy for the next six months. Very nice, Marcus. Yeah, there's only one that you needed, which was read Henry's stuff and buy core lithium. It was <laughs> up 319% on the year. The one that was up further was AVZ Minerals, which was up 420%. That's the best.
manifest in the Orlords. But it was obviously ignore what's happening in the US, go Australia, buy agriculture stocks. There you go. It's going to rain and agriculture is going to have its best year in decades. Would have been a good one. Very nice. My note would have had three lines. I would have said sell consumer discretionaries with one exclamation mark, sell technology with two exclamation marks, and sell crypto with three exclamation marks. <laughs> and that's about that. Very good. Thanks, guys. See you tomorrow. See you, too.